Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week we are doing a film that I have seen many, many, many times. 1992 Singles, written and directed by Cameron Crowe, most known for Almost Famous, Say Anything, Jerry Maguire. Pretty sure We Bought a Zoo is also his fault. It's also his fault. Love that. <laughs> Love that. Vanilla Sky, Elizabeth Town, Aloha. <laughs> oh, Elizabeth Town is one of the few movies I've walked out of. Oh, that's <laughs> totally understandable. Like, yeah, which is funny. People are always surprised because I've seen much worse movies, but I was just like so annoyed. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, ever since we've done this podcast, Elizabeth Town has definitely been, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? Like an inevitability. I find it so irritating to watch that I am going to put it off for as long I, as possible. Yeah, like I will. I still haven't seen the whole movie because I walked out of it in the theaters. So I like that would be... I mean, in some ways, that could make a really fantastic episode, or it could be horrible. Because it, because I feel like it will it'll be traumatic make us for us. Both really upset. We will be so upset. <laughs> I think that almost Elizabeth Town would need to be another live show. Like, there <laughs> oh, would yeah, need to no. be like a real. Oh, big, that's your, that. Okay, that's what we're that's doing our then. Next, that's our next be, live show is yeah, going to be Elizabeth because Town. Love Actually is something we've been putting off yeah, uh, for a totally. long time, and then we were like, well, we should just do it. On, yeah, and all about the live show. Steve was a good live yeah. show. Yeah, just. <laughs> The ones that are just so like very plainly irritating <laughs> so irritating but also have either a cult following or popular enough you know cast that people want to talk about it so yeah elizabeth town will be a future live show <laughs> come watch us bleed out of our eyeballs so singles was <laughs> so singles it was so singles the one we're talking about it today. was released on september 18th 1992 i was born on july 16th 1992 so it was released like a couple months after i was born and singles you're such a little baby <laughs> i'm only a few years older but like 1992 that's so recent <laughs> um so singles is a movie that i have been watching since i was a kid and very specifically, you know, the really famous thing about this movie is uh, Bridget Fonda saying that she wants to be with a guy who will say bless you when she sneezes. That is something that I've carried with me my entire life. Like, I'll go on, like, I won't mention it to people, but yeah. I'll, like, I remember when I would just go out on dates and I would sneeze, I would, like, listen to see if they were going to Are say you serious? bless you. Yes, that like, is my so entire life. Cute. That is so cute. <laughs> How many, like, did you, do you feel like you gathered in interesting data like how many people said bless you was it a high percentage or no it was a pretty low percentage Ooh, that's that's pretty <laughs> indicting yeah <laughs> well i mean most of the people that i've dated have been terrible so yeah <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and i finally told does kyle Ka say it? i he does say it now because i told him about yeah how I you told him about this yeah he's like okay he's well this the is only, important he's you. the only person that i've been with that i've told him like you know bridget fonda she said you know he has to say bless you when you sneeze yeah. Yeah. Like, this is so important. <laughs> I love that. You know, it's funny. Now I'm racking my brain. I actually don't know if AJ says bless you or not. That's a really, hmm. I'll see him later. Maybe I'll sneeze. <laughs> Test him. <laughs> it's always good for a relationship. So the thing about singles is that it's not 
bad in the sense that it's poorly constructed. Singles is bad in the sense that it is a very inessential view. Yeah. <laughs> like, like there's That's a great way of putting like, it. While you're watching it, it's just like, what, why does this exist? And like the further that we get away from that time, uh, the more I have that question, especially considering that it's not really a great portrait of the grunge scene. And if it was, that would kind of make it stand the test of time. But yes, it's not really. If it, if it felt like a good portrait of the gr- grunge scene, then the fact that not that much actually happens or the characters don't feel deep enough um, for a character sketch like that would be okay if 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 it really gave a look into the grunge scene but it it doesn't it gives a look into the look of the grunge scene oh and you the, know it's in seattle yeah and, you know i mean chris cornell's in the movie so <laughs> yeah you know, there's that but it i mean matt Dillon is the character who's the most grunge He's in a band. And I mean, he's him like and Chris the Cornell, joke of course. Character. And he's a joke. And like, I think they could have kept him as a joke character, but actually um, explored what grunge was about. He's just, he could be any rock band bro. It doesn't really have to do with grunge. Right, exactly. I mean, an interesting thing about this movie, especially, you know, coming from Cameron Crowe, a person that wrote about music. He was a music journalist before he was a filmmaker and that informs a lot of his work, you know, most notably Almost Famous. But with this situation, it's almost just like he doesn't understand that the most interesting people in the grunge scene are not this privileged. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I mean, it feels so obvious, but it's like, you're not taking cues from Kurt Cobain or from any of the Riot Girl musicians who were oh, also Riot in Girl the- Riot does not exist in this movie. Yeah, like, and I'm like, the connection between Riot Girl and grunge is so strong. I mean, hello, like, like Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain getting together and like the whole, um, the whole uh, Tacoma, I mean, not Tacoma, um, Olympia and um, now, you know, Portland's riot girl scene came out during that time. And yeah. so it's just weird. None of the women in this movie really feel grunge. They're just dating grunge guys. And yeah, it just seems And there's like one grunge bro, and he's really, he's just a guitar bro. He's not a grunge guy. Right. He's, he's just a guitar bro. Yeah, this movie feels very <laughs> like. There's no anti-establishment, no. Um, anti-classism. There's none of those political values, really. There's just the political costume. Uh, it's it's interesting. It reminds me a lot of, and this is a movie that I like a lot, with Stillman's The Last Days of Disco. And The Last Days of Disco is, you know, about exactly what you think. Like, right when disco was becoming uncool, when all of the rock people were, like, burning records, it's, like, around that time, and it's, like, the last big disco club in New York, but it's about a bunch of yuppies who love disco, which is a bunch of white yuppies that love disco. So as much as, like, you can tell how much the movie loves disco, you also can tell that there is a more interesting story that's that's outside of these rich people. Yeah, and I think, like, (laughs) none of the characters, even though, like, 
all of them need jobs. Like none of them are hustling in the way that you do when and you, you g- don't have a safety net. You um, get the feeling that their parents' help is just a call away. Like no one ever seems in danger. No, no one, no one's ever actually stressed about money. And like Matt Dillon's character as being like the douchey, I, I think his character would be funnier if he had a contrast, if there was a contrasting character, if like he's just this bro who wants to be famous and get chicks and there is actually men and women in the scene who are playing music that actually care about the art and actually care about saying something and he's like a clown like that would be way more interesting than having him be our only our only musician who really talks like Chris Cornell's there but we don't actually like he's just kind of there so they could say Chris Cornell's in the movie yeah 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 it's very uh, the music stuff like because like now Hmm. When I first started watching this, this grunge was music that I did not listen to. Um, Because I didn't really get into that kind of music until like high school. And now like watching it like as a person who has a has a whole album name tattooed on my arm, watching this movie now, now that I know the music is like very irritating because it's not representative of the music. And I think I could have done better. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is irritating. And, um, like, it's, it's like a, it's not one bikini kill reference. Does anybody know bikini kill in this? Like bikini kill was around during this time. <laughs> yeah. There's no like riot girl doesn't exist. And they don't even, I mean, they don't even really talk about grunge bands. They don't really talk about the music. They don't talk about the music at all. And it's in Seattle. And I mean, I remember growing up, I grew up in Seattle. um, This movie was referenced because there's not that many movies in Seattle compared to, you know, New York, L.A., et cetera. Right. And so people get excited. And and the fact that it was about grunge and it's in Seattle just feels very specific and special. And so it was a bummer. I've I've seen it before. but it was a bummer watching it again um, as a full adult with a more critical eye and seeing what it could have done and what it didn't do. Yeah, it's a very interesting situation where what because of the content that like it's more of like a backdrop of a time. And I notice this a lot with stuff set in Seattle. It tends to always focus on the rich white people. And I feel like there are more interesting stories. And I was thinking about it while I was watching Frasier, which is a good show. But I'm constantly wondering, like, well, it's it's who's having more interesting adventures. And it's honestly more frustrating. (laughs) Like for me to watch that now is more frustrating with what Jeff Bezos has done to Seattle and how rich white people are destroying the city and pushing people out and like most of my family is out of the city now because of that like these movies could show poor white people poor black people they could show like the reality of Seattle in the 90s and there's obviously multiple realities in a city and so it's frustrating because it's like there's a sense in which it feels (laughs) pre-gentrified yes I'm like Seattle's gentrified now in a way that it wasn't then and but this movie is kind of like a yeah yeah it's like it gentrified it (laughs) and so okay so there this is like a kind of uh if there was a 90s version of the brat pack it would probably have this crew like we got bridget fonda we got campbell scott kira cedric matt dillon we got some (laughs) 
Yeah, we, we do have Jeremy Piven. We have. <laughs> that's what. That's exactly the name that I was laughing I, at. Oh, I could. I, I felt it. I felt it spiritually. You were like, I have to say this name. Um, we got Bill Pullman. We got Eric Stoltz playing the mime. We got James LaGrosse, who is contractually obligated to be in every movie about like slightly counterculture white people. There's James LaGrosse. That's very funny and very true. <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, <laughs> Eddie Vedder is in this. Eddie Vedder, I, I know nothing about him except that when A Star is Born came out, uh, Bradley Cooper mentioned that he was friends with him because he was just like in interviews, he'd be like, yeah, Eddie told me not to do this movie and he thought that it was a bad idea. And it's just so funny because it's like so clear that like Jackson, Jackson Maine is modeled after Eddie Vedder in a lot of ways. That's so funny. Um, That's funny. I actually never, like, I loved Pearl Jam, so I definitely know Eddie Vedder, but I, I did not see any of those interviews. Oh, yeah, he is friends with Eddie Vedder, and Eddie Vedder was like, this is not a good idea for He's me. like, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I well, mean, I guess he was proven wrong based yeah, on how wrong. people responded. So, um, Bridget Fonda... God, love her. Really do. She, you know, she's one of those people like Cameron Diaz, who is incredibly talented, but quit acting to be a mom, which I respect. Yeah. I'm just sad <laughs> to yeah. see her go. Like, no. I don't want to, like, I don't want to be like, oh, she went to be a mom. That like, how, sucks. Like, like, she's a traitor. You know, she should have done the career instead. It's like, no, she did both. She did. Yeah. Her, Phoebe Cates, Cameron Diaz, they were they were all amazing you know they did what they had to do for their time and now they don't want to do it anymore and like i have to respect what i know about the hollywood machine who can blame them you know they got their money and they left they were like i am done (laughs) like that's i respect that but it is almost always people that i really like who do that yeah yeah like cameron (laughs) diaz i miss her more every day like i can't like i'm so upset (laughs) i honestly like there's almost a chicken and egg scenario inside of that where i'm like do i just am i more drawn to the people who hate hollywood and so they leave i think i am (laughs) but then i'm sad because i want to be able to have my one-sided relationship with them (laughs) (laughs) where i watch them and root for them Mm, yes uh campbell scott is an interesting figure because he's in a lot of stuff but i feel like he never became a thing but he is the son of famous actor george c scott and he kind of has a lot of that gravitas to him and he's been in a lot of stuff just like not he never gets anything like yeah. <laughs> he never gets any awards. Right. Um, probably his biggest role is in is a movie called Big Night that he did with Stanley Tucci, which is about a restaurant. Um, I will watch it because <laughs> I will watch anything with Stanley Tucci. My introduction to him was this movie and then um, Roger Dodger, which is a movie where he plays a misogynist that is trying to like train a little Jesse Eisenberg to be a misogynist as well. That's so gross. Very very interesting movie. Wait, how uh, how old were you the first time you saw singles? I don't know. Like, yeah. I was, I want to say maybe eight or nine. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you were old enough 
that it made sense for you to watch this movie. Yeah. Okay. And I but, mean, there's not even a lot of there's, sex. There's not a lot of no, sexual stuff not, in this it's movie. It's not like an inappropriate movie. I just think it'd be very boring for like a small child. Oh yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So we got like a couple of things. We got Bridget Fonda is Janet. She's just like a young, you know, white girl from the Midwest who like moved to Seattle. You know, she just wanted to be where the music is, where the scene <laughs> is. Um, she's really like, like very, I mean, she does like feel a baby. like 22. She says, she's she looking says, for love. She's so impressionable. I think she's 23. I think that's how old she says that she is in the movie. 23. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which I think that, I think that that's scan. She seems like a 23 year she old. She does. Yeah. Uh, and she, you know, is very into Matt Damon's character who is like a Matt Dillon. I knew what you meant, but I was like, but I was like, if I don't jump in, I'm going to think about Matt Damon (laughs) and then I'm going to like go off track. (laughs) So yeah, Matt Dillon, he's doing the whole long hair, unwashed, wearing a band. We're going to make it. I have like five (laughs) different jobs, but it's for the music man kind of like very like. I'm in the studio, which is my friend's apartment. This song is about the establishment. Like, but also, like, he didn't even do that. I no. wish. <laughs> I wish that he had done I that. I wanted, like, I love a good anti establishment joke. <laughs> like, I wanted him to do, like, talk about anarchy, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. It, he doesn't stand for anything. No one does. Yeah, no one stands for anything. <laughs> Absolutely no one. I mean, definitely Cameron Crowe, whether he meant to or not, is like showing a little bit of his perspective on the crunch scene based on how lackluster the the convictions were in this movie. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, there's just like a lot of like, like Bridget Fonda's character is saying things like it's, you know, I'm 23 years old and time is running out to do something bizarre. And it's- <laughs> <laughs> I actually loved that. I was like, this is so dramatic, but I, I, I know what she's saying because she's talking about how certain things are charming and fun when you're in your early 20s. But then at, like later on, people think you're just irresponsible. I was like, that's sadly kind of true. <laughs> Not that people should let that limit them. Um. So and and so she really, really loves Matt Dillon, and Matt Dillon's just in at one of those like asshole boyfriends that you have at that age, where he's yeah. just like, "Oh, Janet, you know, I see other people. I cannot be fully yours. I just, you know, <laughs> I'm like this artistic soul, and like I cannot be leashed. I cannot be tamed." And he's and it's definitely that codependent feedback loop. Like she needs his attention more the less he's paying attention to her. And I'm like, oof, been there. Oh uh, yeah, just sad. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah. It's one of those like very, and you kind of want more for her. And eventually she does. She runs into uh, Bill Pullman, who is a doctor, uh, a plastic surgeon. Yeah, I think yeah, he's a plastic surgeon because well, she wants to get a boob job. Oh yes, because she has a conversation with Matt Dillon where she's like, you know. No, I, wa- I turn on the TV and I watch and I see all these women with these huge breasts. And I just like wondered, you know, would you ever want me <laughs> to have She asks breasts? if her boobs are too small for him. And then he like ignores it. And then she she goes on this thing. And then he's finally like, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> 
And so she she goes Poor to little sp- baby. And everybody everybody like tries to argue against it to her, but she still goes and then she sees and and this Bill Pullman and he's 33 years old. I'm very attracted to him in this movie. He's very That's where cute. I'm at in my life. He's very <laughs> He's he, the only man I wanted to fuck in this he's movie. He's just like because he's a dork and he knows that he is and I yeah, appreciate that. I love he, that. He reminds me of like there was um like later in uh six feet under Claire is dating a guy who's like a dork. I think it's, I think he's played by Chris Messina and she's just like, what kind of music do you like? And he's just like, Oh, I don't know. I just like check and see what's popular. And then I buy the CD <laughs> and she just like, <laughs> and she makes fun of him for that. I was like, this is this guy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's totally his character. He's such a lovable dork. I I'm so into it. And he's just, he basically like, he's very professional and he doesn't talk down to her or anything. But after consulting, he's like, hey, I don't normally do this, but I just want to make sure you really want to make this decision because, like, I think you're perfect just the way you are. And if because she does bring up her boyfriend in the appointment. Yeah. And Bill Pullman's basically like, you know, if your boyfriend is the only reason you feel you need this, like maybe he's not that great. And I'm like, yes, go Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Which honestly, in most cases, this kind of scene would annoy me. And I think the doctor should mind his own business. But he does it in such a genuine way. And he's very much like, this is your choice. But, you know, you really, this is a big choice. And then she ends up changing her mind. And she, like, kisses him. Yeah. So the thing about it is, is that if he wasn't so sweet, the scene would be weird because he, it is, would be 30, very creepy. he is 33 years he's old. He's 10 years older than her at a time in life doctor. when it matters. Yeah. Like, like 23, like is like an adult in the sense that you can go to a bar, but 23 is like a baby. And I say this Such as a baby. I was a 23 year old baby very recently. And it was just like, even now I'm 27. I'm just like, that was a baby. What was that baby doing? I know that when I think about me at 23, I'm like, oh, just like, just like I was <laughs> imagining fumbling. dumb shit. Like, like me, like sleeping with someone in Ridgewood and I live in Clinton Hill. And then I'm just like on the train all night. And then it's like 4 a.m. And I'm just like, this seemed worth it. I was, I still lived in <laughs> Chicago when I was 23. And I remember, um, lock, getting locked out and sleeping on the blue line. Uh. Like just spending a night on the trains after like a hookup. Oh my god! <laughs> Such yes, a mess. yes. Like so, I don't miss that. She <laughs> honestly is the most relatable character. I wish the characters around her were better because uh, we have also um, Kira Sedgwick and Campbell Scott, and these are like two very affluent white people. Yes. who are having a very boring romance with very boring almost like non-existent like i don't know what their actual that issues was, are i had no idea like what their problem AJ and was. i were just like we don't really know why we're supposed to care and it wasn't even that we didn't like the characters at all or that we couldn't it was just like there's nothing happening there's nothing they're just like being weird and, and i feel like campbell scott 
think is he like is, kind of stalks her, but she's into him, so he doesn't need to. And also, no one should stalk anyone. Right. No, <gasps> but I, I feel like him. I feel like this is a situation where whatever character is closest to the personality of the director, especially if we're talking about a movie in the '90s or early 2000s, it's probably he's probably not written that well because he's supposed to be the director and in the director's mind yeah he has all these nuances that do but not they're translate. not translating because he didn't right. write like, it I think separate this from himself is the cameron crow character i think that's a really great uh read i did not i did not read it that way i but i didn't really have a read i was just like i am bored and i i did feel that the movie thought he was more interesting than he was he <laughs> um, is basically playing um Ted Mosby. Yeah. He's just doing like I a mean, Ted Mosby. I like him more than Ted Mosby. But d- yeah, but he's got like Ted Mosby energy and he he's does. just like um he has like pick me, I want a wife, but also I'm going to like neg you a little energy. Yeah, he you know, he's kind of like the not interesting version of Lloyd Dobler cuz like you know, you have say anything and the whole thing about say anything is that it's like a really really smart girl who like seems kind of like unattainable. And then there's Lloyd Dobler, who's known for being really reliable and being like uncomplicated, right? you know, just like standing outside your door with the boombox Cause he, cause he can't think of anything else to do. Yeah. Like, he's like, I just need to communicate that I'm here and that I, I will be here if you want me to. Yeah. Campbell Scott is like, if Lloyd Dobler was boring. <laughs> yeah. Like Lloyd Dobler has boundary <laughs> issues, but at least he's charming. Yeah. <laughs> Campbell Scott, Scott is just like boring and and has boundary and has boundary issues yeah (laughs) yeah and then and then Kira Sedgwick is just kind of like okay cool like and because their lives are so set financially there's like no stakes like later when they're trying to figure out whether or not they should live together I'm like it doesn't matter you can afford to live apart you can afford to live together it doesn't fucking matter right (laughs) absolutely Like I just thinking about I it. Honestly, like, like I I paid attention the whole movie, but I I really like the the plot line that stuck out to me was Bridget Fonda and Matt Dillon, and even there, you know, they didn't really have a connection. It was really Bridget Fonda's character, but yeah, yeah. Kira Sedgwick and Campbell Scott. I was just like, okay, so which is so funny. They're because, into each other, right. but like they're being cagey about it. Yeah, and, like, and it's hard and I guess to know because their characters are supposed to be young, but right. Um, and then I, like Kira uh, Cedric has this like ex boyfriend James Legros, who's basically playing like the safe, boring guy that you don't want to fuck, which is funny <laughs> played by James Legros. I know. To me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like. It's just like yuppies trying to decide whether or not they want to be vulnerable with each other. And that is just And there's so many movies that do that better. Yes. There's like a whole canon of movies that do that. Like Nora Ephron does it better. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's like, it's a bummer because I'm like, they could have gotten into the grit of uh the grunge scene and included riot girl and they could have dealt with classism, they could have dealt with sexual assault, they could have dealt with racism, they could have dealt with all of these issues that people were writing about in their zines that were writing about in their music that were going down at shows and that were going down in Seattle. Um, but instead it's like, I mean, honestly, <laughs> Bridget Fonda and Kira Sedgwick look so alike. Wow. If, that That's coming from a white woman. I'm, I'm wh- not going to comment. <laughs> no, I'm a white woman. And like, if like, 
I didn't know these actresses from other things. Like you could just glance and mix them up. I mean, they have different hair, but like the 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 monochrome like casting is so overt in this to the point where Sheila Kelly, who is also white, is the most interesting one because she's got interesting eyes. She's got yeah. an interesting mouth. Yeah, and her story, which I actually think would have made a much more interesting central story, is like she's one of those people that's like I want to fall in love and like I loved her. That is like she was she I yes. like I thought she was great. Like she was just like I'm putting myself out there. She she had she, oh my god red the hair. Video, the video she, oh my god, dating she, video that she, she made. She paid money to make a dating video that yes. was maybe the most incredible thing that I've seen it in a was very long time. Fucking incredible. Like if I watched it, I would marry her. Like it's fucking amazing. She's in she, the video, she's, she's so flying. hot. She's so hot and she's like wearing like a lime green <laughs> like like business suit, but then she She's flying over Seattle. I'm like, what is happening? It's like major 90s green screen vibes. And she's <laughs> yes. just like, these are the things I'm into. And they have this fun montage of, you know, men who respond. And of course, they're all like, you know, wacky. Yes. <laughs> she ends up going for this guy who's obsessed with bikes, which th- th- does feel real. Oh, um, my God. When she, she goes like full uh, biking gear, gets a bike. She like gets a whole I biking outfit. The, I love how she commits. Like, she just commits absolutely (laughs) and And like she's and you can tell you can tell that she's kind of like she's kind of like a wacky charlotte from (laughs) from sex in the city like you know charlotte will convert she'll do this she'll redesign everything and it's like you can imagine that this woman would convert charlotte is goal-oriented and she will get what she wants right exactly what she wants as a man she will get herself a man And that that is the energy, and and it's I fantastic. Love, it's so good. It's so interesting. Allie Walker is her roommate, and it's so funny to me that like they have a whole thing because they fight over the bike guy. And yeah, Allie Walker, <laughs> like, the bike guy gets to their house, and like Allie Walker like meets him and makes popcorn with him. It's so uh, cool because they find out that they know each other. But then she's <laughs> she was like, you get every single guy and like this one is mine and i don't understand why you won't yeah, give him and like, like he's like in the and he can like hear them arguing over him and he's like so flattered which is funny because he's <laughs> just like i can't remember which actor plays him he's I'm sorry i shouldn't admit no, that on I podcast. Have no no i don't think it's like a known actor like i yeah. don't but like but the, yeah he's so uh whatever he's just a dude like, i think i think know? it's peter horton um yeah i think so too so w- what's what's so weird about it though and <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be go full black woman here. <laughs> Polly Walker. Why did I say Polly? Allie Walker. <laughs> All these white women. It's a lot. It's so much. Like I just thought it's there's gotta of, be a Polly in listen, here. Listen, I already said it. A lot of these white women look alike on this movie. So. Allie Walker <laughs> and Sheila Kelly look so similar that it's very weird to me that they would like one would get more dates over the other. I feel like they'd be pulling together. Yeah, it was like you're both hot. Yeah. And also, like what kind of friend? Friendship is it as grown adults where you're fighting over men like I don't know I feel like I haven't had any issues with that as an adult because if me and a friend are attracted to the same person we just like figure it out you know yeah. we don't fight we don't do shady stuff it's yeah. just like oh okay you go for it or oh, like no yeah like secretly <laughs> like I don't know it's just such a funny thing <laughs> Like I was like, how is this a thing that they're dealing with in their twenties? I feel like maybe as a teenager you have like that kind of drama, but as a as a grown woman, 
But I agree. They're both very hot. And I was like, this is silly. And this bike guy's just like sitting in there eating popcorn. Just, He's I was like, just chilling What a metaphor out. for like the dating pool. <laughs> oh, my God. Pete, Peter Horton's from that show 30 something, which is a tiny piece of pop culture that I've always been curious about because it was right before I was born. So I like just missed it. Yeah. And I've always been curious about like what that pocket of whiteness looked like. Anyway, maybe I'll watch it sometime. More whiteness to ingest. <laughs> <laughs> It's, you know, I consider it to be like historical research. Yes. Cultural yes. understanding. I love it. You're like, I need to know. Uh, but yeah, there's not a lot like there's there's really not. There's a lot of like weird verbiage in this movie. Like, yes. at some point, someone's like, he's going to be the next Martin Scorsese. Oh, yeah. That made me crack up. <laughs> Um, in another, oh, I think that that was the Tim Burton cameo. I think that was Tim Burton. Yes, that yes. was the Tim Burton cameo. And that was when, um, uh, Sheila was getting her, her video made. Mm, yeah. And, um, there's also like, uh, when, when, uh, Allie Walker and Sheila are like fighting there, one of them's like, you're being plastic. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, wow, this is very pre mean girls. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a fun, I mean, it's just, uh, oh my God. And then there's a part where someone was like, where are the anthems of our youth? Oh yes. I love that. <laughs> I, I laughed. I laughed really hard because at that. Because it's like when, like whenever Smells Like Teen Spirit got released, I guess. Yeah. Like, like I was, <laughs> I, I was just, I, I had so many feelings during that line and I just like laughed. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah it's, this movie i mean it has so many fun people and it has a few very notable musicians that are connected to the grunge scene um so it just feels like a bummer i mean obviously cameron crow has the range when he wants to you know we all we've all seen almost famous like he's able to show um music scenes in ways that are interesting and nuanced while also pointing out certain hypocrisies or toxicities, but this doesn't really actually go into the music. It's just like a costume of Seattle and a costume of grunge. <laughs> and then these like kind of boring white characters, these white people. Okay. There's a part where uh, Matt Dillon uh, meets with uh, Bridget Fonda after they've been, cause she has a great epiphany moment where it's like, I'm young, I'm beautiful. I can just dump it. Which yeah. Is, like, which is beautiful. I did like, love I was that like, moment. I was like, was so finally, good. like we need that moment. She's like, and, and she was also just like, I, I could have just dumped him like this whole time. And I was yeah. like, yes, you could have. You wasted so and much. And as someone who's watching this mess of a relationship, I am glad you finally are. Like, well, <laughs> So when they finally meet again, he says that he misses her, but he, he does it with this whole story about how he used to live near the airport. And he basically is like, I miss you. Like I miss the sound of the plane. Yeah, I know. I was like, this is very <laughs> offensive. Like his whole thing was like, I didn't know. Like I thought that planes were annoying. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I thought the sound of the plane was too much and you know, people didn't want to come over because it was loud. But now I realize like I miss it and you're like that. And I was like, this is not a good, uh, <laughs> I miss you monologue. Absolutely not. But it was funny because I was like, this does feel like something a shitty or er like early twenties boyfriend would say and thinking that he was being poetic. And I almost feel like there is a time, there was a small pocket of time, probably between 19 and 22 where I would have been like, yeah, 
Yes. I like wow. wow. I'm wow. so he touched. loves me so much. Yes. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> uh so I guess we should maybe mention the whole because like I was so confused about the Kira Sedgwick um Campbell Scott thing where was she pregnant and then she lost the baby? Oh, yeah. She was pregnant and then she had a miscarriage. Yeah. Because she got in an accident. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, it's interesting because that's a big thing. That's a huge thing. But, dealing like, with miscarriage. the movie doesn't really treat it that way. No, the movie's very casual about the fact that she gets pregnant during their very boring relationship and that they decide to stay together. I'm like, that's a huge... That would be a whole movie. You know, uh, yeah, that, miscar- miscarriages. And I think I was thinking it because, you know, I just recently read um, Demi Moore's memoir. And, God, I keep on telling everybody to, watch, to read it. It's called Inside Out. Um, and she talks about how devastating her miscarriage was with Ashton Kutcher and she talks about like how like as a man and as a young man he did not understand it and did not understand how much it like emotionally crushed her yeah and like really kind of destroyed her and I feel like because this was made by a man he didn't really understand that like if this had happened to Kira Sedgwick I do like Kira Cedric's character, like, and if it was written by a woman, she would not be with Campbell Scott at the end. She'd probably be alone trying to figure out how to like, yeah, rebuild her relationship like with her body because they 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 don't know each other that well. There's no, no reason for this to continue. There was no reason for her to keep the baby except wanting a baby, and right. so that's like an interesting thing to me because I also feel like there's so many movies made by men, but if if it was the other thing, if it was abortion, they would be like, this is a huge deal. And so it's interesting. Right. Well, it's an interesting double standard to me where it's like abortion will be a big deal and probably like stigmatized even in movies that think they're not doing that. But if a woman has a miscarriage, it's nothing. And I'm like, that's a weird double standard. Well, Fast <laughs> Times at Ridgemont High has an abortion and like it's treated very well. And, you know, Cameron Crowe was yeah. involved in that. So it's like it's so it's he weird has, that he couldn't make the connection. <laughs> yeah. No, that's just a strange disconnect to me. And so, um, yeah, it's weird that there's something as big as a miscarriage in this movie but the 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 characters it's about are so kind of just bland to me and their relationship is so uninspired that i i barely remember it i barely remember it that's why i asked you because i wasn't even sure because i was like yeah it it did happen but it was so in passing and because the movie is jumping between these two storylines they they jump basically to the announcement where she's like oh i lost the baby like she's at the hospital after an accident and it's so casual so casual yeah it's yeah uh, so <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird that like because the movie ends with the scene where uh bridget fonda is in the elevator with matt Dillon, and then she sneezes and then he says bless you and then she's like oh my god he's the one like it's so interesting to end on that after there's been a miscarriage <laughs> i know <laughs> I also, yeah, I just think like the movie didn't know what it was doing as much as it thought it did. Definitely not. Yeah. It's, I don't know. There's something about the 90s where everything was kind of treated with equal weight. Reality Bites has this issue too, where there are people going through real things in that movie. And then there's whatever Winona Ryder and Ethan Hawke are doing. Right. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So much less interesting than like what Janine Garofalo. I know. I just wanted more Janine Garofalo in that whole movie. And like more uh, Steve Zahn. Like Steve Zahn has a really compelling story in that movie, but we're just spending so much time with these two white people who like barely like each other 
but like are acting like, like they're in they, love. Yeah, and they and and the will they won't they like okay. That's you know. like the thing about the nineties. They're always just like these two white people, and it's like they hate each other. And they hate each other, but they wanna <laughs> be together. You know, but they're not right. But maybe they could be. Yeah, it's yeah, it's so strange. It is. It is definitely a thing that. I mean, it's still in media now, but not in the same but way it was. But like so, there was such a density of it in the 90s to where it kind of warped, like, my idea of what romance is. Like, yeah. to the point where I think my first boyfriend, if I had not watched so many of these movies, I would not have stayed with him as long as I did and kind of dealt with a lot of his bullshit because I watched movies you were like, like... Oh, well, all these... It's normal to fight all the time or to have them treat you, you know, with condescension or it's normal dismissal. For- it's normal for him to be like, I want you around, but I don't want you to talk. Right. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> like, yeah. And I feel like so many of us <laughs> went through that because like we would see it in movies and we'd just be like, oh yeah. <laughs> it's normal to be dysfunctional. Like, like there's like, a big difference between that and normalizing the fact that being in a relationship involves discussions and fights and, you know, big conversations, but it's always it's never that. It's always just a dysfunction. Their relationship uh, kind of reminds me of what if, um, like, a less interesting version of Jason Lee and Shannon Doherty's relationship in Mallrats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can could, I could totally see that. Because she's just like, you want to introduce me to your mom. You make me leave out the window. Like, this is fucking bullshit. And then she, you know, breaks up with him and starts fucking somebody else for a while. And it's just like, it has a lot more teeth. So that when she goes back to him, you don't feel like she's doing it because she wants to be treated like shit again she does it because it's like you're not gonna fucking do this again yeah like you already know that i have the ability (laughs) to walk away and so that's the only reason i'm giving you a chance yeah 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 so i mean yeah singles i i mean i feel like probably most of the people listening have seen this movie maybe haven't um like it won't like it won't totally ruin your day to watch it but i don't think that you need to no um yeah oh you guys should come to our live show i know we mentioned at the top but we have a live show on january 23rd at union hall it is at 10 p.m doors at 9 30 cost ten dollars and it's part of the brooklyn podcast festival and we will be talking about love actually so by the time this comes out it'll probably only be like a week away so you should definitely come hang out. Yeah, you should definitely come. I'm trying to think what would be a good uh, alternative antidote to singles. Hmm. Uh, actually, since <laughs> I mean, we could since just say almost famous. We could, but like uh, it feels almost. Um, I mean, I feel like that's like a different. Kind it is. Of music, it is a though. different kind of. Uh, it's definitely know, a different kind of music. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think since I mentioned Mallrats, I think... <laughs> I think Mallrats is good. Yeah. I think that Mallrats is a better version of, like, what people- Honestly, even Clerks. Even I mean, clerks. clerks is, like, a different animal, but, like, yeah. Mallrats or Clerks. Yeah. It, it, it gets more into the grit of a certain vibe and time in, in culture, and the characters have more teeth. So. Yeah. Yeah. I would suggest that. Um, so, you know, make sure to 
subscribe to us on all the platforms and yes. things. I'm, I forgot what they were real quick, but you know what they are. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Please give us a five-star review. Take a second because, you know, that helps for visibility of our podcasts. Yeah, you don't even have to write anything. You can just do oh, the yeah, stars. Oh, no, yeah, just give us some five stars. It's beautiful. Um, uh, our theme song is by Clutch Douglas, a great Seattle group. So, hey, you know, we got a whole Seattle theme. Uh, yeah, totally um, Seattle. Totally Seattle. Um, and we will, you know, be covering a lot of films this year. So, you know, stick around. Yeah, stick around. We love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.